Welcome to Find Your Dream Job. We're the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host, and I'm the publisher of Max List. On today's show, we're discussing how to work with an executive recruiter. So looking for a job is hard work. You know that. We've all been there. Before you send out your first application or you go to an interview, you need to confirm your career goals and you have to update your online profiles and you need to network. You need to do lots and lots of networking. Again, that's a lot of hard work. Not surprisingly, many of us, including me, have wondered, isn't there another way, an easier way that lets you cut to the front of the application line? What if you could get in front of a recruiter, somebody who is paid to find great employees? Like a fairy godmother, couldn't a recruiter make your wish for a dream job come true? And by doing so, save you a lot of time and effort? Well, recruiters can make a big difference in your job search, but they can't do it all. And this week, we're talking to our recruiter, Steve Potestio. He's one of the best in the business. He works with digital firms and writers, graphic designers, and other creative workers all across the country. Steve's going to share with us what recruiters can do and what they can't do, and how you can make the most of that experience. But first, let's check in with the MaxList team. Joining me, as always, in our downtown studio here in Portland, Oregon, are Ben Forstag, our managing director, and Cecilia Bianco, our community manager. Hello, Ben and Cecilia. Hi, Mac. How are hey, Mac. you? Good. I'm doing well. So, confess, have you had that fantasy that you just, the phone is going to ring one day and it's it will be a recruiter and offering you your dream job? During my last unemployment stint, which was about four months long, I had that fantasy every day. Yeah. Or that hope, at least. <laughs> How about you, Cecilia? Um, I actually really haven't, but I've talked to a lot of recruiters through my job at MaxList and... I think it's a dream a lot of people have. Yeah. And there is real value in working with a recruiter. Uh, They can make a a huge difference. But like anything, you don't want to rely on just one strategy alone. Um, I've had a, I've never actually been approached by a recruiter about a job, though I have been contacted by by different recruiters looking for candidates. Uh, And Cecilia, I know you've got, you're you're out there in the community a lot. What's been your experience working with recruiters? Um, They're always just looking for, it seems, very specific people to their agency. Anytime I get an email from one of them, they have almost an exact person in mind with certain experience. So, Yeah, I find that too. And I also find that uh, they're looking, they contact uh, people like us because they're looking for recommendations about trusted candidates, people Mm -hmm. who've uh, who fit those that criteria? So, uh, I so even if the phone rings and they're not offering a job, it's but if it's a recruiter at the other end of the line, I think there's real value in building that relationship. And we'll talk more to Steve about that later in the show. But before we do that, let's check in with Ben because when it comes to online career resources, Wikipedia has nothing on Ben Forstock. Uh, every week he explores the internet looking for blogs, podcasts, and other tools you can use in your job search. So, Ben, what have you uncovered for us this week? Well, Mac, given the theme of today's show, I wanted to share two different resources that I thought might be particularly useful to anyone exploring a career in creative services. Um, So graphic designers, writers, anyone who does creative things uh, for a living. Uh, So the first one 
is a blog post I found on the Mashable.com website. Um, Cecilia, I know you go to Mashable every day, mm-hmm. right? Um, Often. So this is uh, a site that's about all things digital and, and media. It's a great tool. Um, this blog post comes from 2013, and it's 20 tools to show off your portfolio. So if you're going to be working in the creative industry, um, that really means you need to present your work on the web so that everyone can see what you do. Um, and the online platform you use to show off your work might be just as important as the material you're showcasing. As you can imagine, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how good the work you put on it is. If your website looks dated or if it doesn't work, um, that's going to not reflect well on you as a professional. So this blog, uh, the 20 tools to showcase your portfolio, it outlines 20 different platforms you could use to showcase your art, your writing, uh, whatever creative output you have. Um, now, I'll admit, I don't have a portfolio uh, myself, but Cecilia, I know that you do. Uh, what platform yeah. do you use? Well, I actually have a customized WordPress platform, but I think about every single J school student at U of O uses Cargo Collective. And it's definitely one of the easiest tools to make one. Okay. And Mac, when you're looking at candidates for contract work or vendors, um, is there a given platform that you prefer or is it just kind of whatever you find? One feature I like about LinkedIn is there is a portfolio section. And while it, it I don't think it's on your list, uh, you think there's LinkedIn is always a stop for an employer who's checking out a candidate. So in addition to the good ideas on your list, I would encourage candidates to think about using the portfolio section of LinkedIn. Yeah, and LinkedIn is added. Uh, you can add projects now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know I uploaded some magazines that I edited in my pr- previous job there. So yeah, that's a great tool as well. So um, there are 20 different platforms here that they suggest, um, some that are more known, uh, some that might be new on the scene. Uh, tools like CarbonMade, Behance, Dribble. that's with three Bs. Uh, Dunked, Viewbook, and Cargo Collective. Uh, Again, this is on Mashable. It's 20 tools to showcase your portfolio. It's another blog with a real long URL, so we'll include this in the show notes, or you can Google it on Mashable. The other resource I want to share with you is a podcast I discovered recently. Another podcast. Another podcast. You're listening to other podcasts. I'm I'm cheating on a podcast. (laughs) So when you're done with this podcast, when you've downloaded them all and listened to them all, and rated us positively. <laughs> you can go check out this other podcast. It's called the Deeply Graphic Design Cast. Um, and this is a podcast for graphic designers, web designers, and visual designers. It's produced by a studio, uh, graphic design studio in LA called The Deep End. And the episodes explore different design related topics uh, from finding better clients to online portfolios, hot trends in design, uh, and making sure you get paid for your work, things like that. Uh, I've always had a fantasy of, of um, monetizing my hobby of painting. And so uh, I like hearing these things and how other people are doing stuff um, in the creative arts. Uh, don't worry, Mac, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I've yet to sell a single painting in five years. Um, the, uh, and like our podcast, they answer listener questions. Uh, the nice thing about this podcast is it's been around since 2011, and they regularly produce uh, episodes. They've got 95 episodes. It's about one every week. So um, it's a great resource, uh, fun little podcast, uh, entertaining. I suggest you check it out. Uh, again, it's the Deeply Graphic Design Cast, and we'll have the link to that in the show notes. All right. Well, I look forward to those are great suggestions, and I, I didn't know that you painted, so I look forward to seeing one of your, some of your paintings one day. I'll bring you over to the studio someday. All right. All right. Well, 
do you have an idea for Ben? Uh, yeah, just write him. You can reach him at ben at maxlist.org, and we may share your idea on the show. Now we want to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, let's turn it over to Cecilia, our community manager. Cecilia, what's the question of the week? Our question this week is, how can I keep up with new media jobs? So to get a new media job, the most important skill you can have is knowing how to tell a visual story. New media is largely turned into visual communication, as we all know in this office. We've done presentations about this. So being able to use the tools and platforms available to tell a visual story is the key thing. You want to be comfortable with video editing tools, even if it's just as simple as iMovie on your Mac computer. I know Ben's a pro at iMovie. (laughs) And um, also photo editing tools, such as the Adobe Suite with InDesign and Photoshop. There's also a lot of online tools that are free and easier to manage than Adobe. So overall, the more skills and tools you master, the better off you're going to be. Um, Mac and Ben, I'm sure you both have some go-to resources to keep up with new media. Do you have any favorites? My resource for all things social media are probably my teenage nieces and nephew. They know about these things well before I do, certainly. Um, you know, and, and I remember a few years ago when my nieces were trying to uh, show me about Snapchat. And at the time I thought, well, this is the silliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Why would you ever need to know this? Um, but from what I've been told, uh, this is now a platform that lots of professionals are using. Um, and I know like um, my favorite baseball team has a Snapchat account. And I know several serious journalists do have Snapchat accounts. It's a serious thing. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I should be listening more to my nieces and nephews. Take what they say seriously. Yeah, definitely. Snapchat's become important along with a lot of other platforms. And with new media, there's always a new platform that people are jumping on and using. So to stay up to date with those, you need to have some go-to resources beyond your nieces and nephews, probably. I would suggest a few um, e-newsletters, such as the Social Media Examiner. Um, ben mentioned I'm a big fan of Mashable, Inc. Magazine, um, and the Forbes Technology section is also great. Mac, do you have any to add? I just want to support your point that it's so important to keep improving our skills. And one trend I see in social media platforms is uh, editing tool, tools that used to be standalone applications increasingly are being incorporated into Facebook, Instagram, and the other big popular apps. And, and uh, as we reach out to people online, taking advantage of those tools uh, gets a lot easier because they're much more intuitive and simpler and easier to use than, say, Photoshop even three, five years ago. Yeah, I agree. I think with some of the platforms like Canva is basically Photoshop, but it's free and it's very easy to use. You can teach yourself in an hour. So it can be really intimidating to try and learn those tools. But I think if you set small goals like signing up for new newsletters and or mastering a new skill every month, it becomes a lot more manageable. Yeah, I, I think that's excellent advice, breaking tasks down into smaller achievable p- pieces, whether it's mastering a new skill or taking the next step in your in your job search. And I know we've talked about social media tools in previous episodes, but let me just ask you, Cecilia, if you had to pick like the top three that someone should um, be comfortable using, mm-hmm. what would those top three social media tools be? Um, I would definitely pick at least one photo editing, one video editing, and then 
probably one management tool. So like Canva for photos, iMovie for videos, and maybe Hootsuite or the new Edgar um, online social media management tool would be key. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Great advice. And I think it's very telling and, and right on target that you two of the three you mentioned were visual tools mm -hmm. because so much online communication and so much uh, media work now is all about visuals. Yeah. Except, of course, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. So these segments by Ben and Cecilia are sponsored by uh, the Maxless Guides. And we're the publisher of a new book here at Maxless. It's called Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. And you'll find in our guides the tools you need to get the job you want. So we tackle the questions that are on your mind. How do I find out about hidden jobs? Uh, what can I do to stand out when I'm competing against dozens of other people for the same position? And, and what do I need to do next to manage my career? In our book, uh, there are eight chapters. You'll find experts who share uh, insider knowledge about how to learn about jobs that are never posted and what you can do to interview and negotiate like a pro. So check it out for yourself. You can download the first chapter of the book for free. Just go to our website. The address is maxlist.org slash maxlistguides. Steve Potestio owns Mathis and Potestio. It's a recruitment firm for the creative and digital industries. And his company has offices in Portland, Austin, and Los Angeles. Now, Steve knows how recruiters work. Uh, he's worked with more than 100 agencies, and he's helped place thousands of professionals into jobs. He's also been a copywriter, a graphic designer, a project manager, an account manager, and he was the director of operations for a large digital agency during the dot-com era. Steve, that's quite a background. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for joining us. So let me start with uh, one example I think people have in their heads when they think about recruiters. And I'm going to go into the Wayback Machine. There's a wonderful movie starring Stockard Channing. It's called The Business of Strangers. It came out in the early 1990s. It's about corporate intrigue. And uh, it, I think, reflects popular ideas about corporate culture in those years. And in the plot, Channing is a high-powered executive. She loses, she, she hears rumors that she's about to lose her job. And so the first thing she does is she picks up the phone and she calls a recruiter. And they meet in a, uh, uh, they both travel to an airport they have a meeting in a lounge, and he brings his briefcase, and he reaches into it, and there he has uh, op job openings that pay six-figure salaries, and they talk about what position she might take next if she indeed loses her position inside the company. That's one way people think of recruiters is, uh, what would you say to that popular image, Steve? <laughs> Well, I'm kind of laughing because yeah. if that was the case, that would be kind of cool that we just had a briefcase full of jobs. That's that's kind of cool. Um, that's that is, I think, a common um, mis misperception of our industry. Um, we are actually out there, kind of beating the bushes every day, trying to build relationships with companies uh, so that we do, in fact, have opportunities. But um, we're not walking around with briefcases full of them. Um, okay. we're, not have, we're not having any clandestine meetings. Um, and actually, it's probably a good recruiter would probably do um, a little bit more than the recruiter in the movie. Um, 
And that is really establishing a relationship with the individual and talking about their needs and what they're looking for and what's a good fit for them um, prior to opening up that briefcase and just start trotting out a bunch of jobs. Okay. Um, so let's put aside the Hollywood image and let's talk about how the business really works. Uh, you're, tell us about the recruitment business and, and how you look for candidates and, and what you're looking for. So uh, one thing about a recruiter to, I think, realize is the recruiter serves two masters. Um, on one side is the individual, the candidate that is looking for a job, and on the other side is the hiring company, the, the business client. And so a good recruiter is trying to build relationships and understand both equally so that they are able to put the two together uh, successfully. Rec there, you know, a recruiter, um, generally the, the, the client company, the hiring company is the firm that pays our bills, if you will. So it is natural that um, recruiters can lean toward that side and really focus more on servicing that side. I think the best recruiters really walk kind of right down the middle of the street. Now, you talked about the the firms that you work for, they're, they're the ones who are paying you, but uh, how do you get paid? I know there are different forms of compensation for recruiters. Yeah, uh, and there's different types of recruitment and there's different types of, um, I guess, uh, logistical types of jobs. You're going to see recruiters that work on full-time salaried positions only, and you're going to see recruiters that will also work on contract type assignments, and then recruiters that will work on both. So some of it is what situation are you looking for as an individual, uh, and then finding the recruiter that works within those situations. So if you're looking for a full-time job, the recruiter is paid if a candidate that they have introduced is selected and hired by that client company, that client company will pay that recruiter or recruiting firm a fee for having found that individual. And so recruiters work on what's called contingency placements. They do not get paid until they have successfully placed someone into a job. Now, I think the other approach is called a retainer. Can you talk about the differences between a, uh, a firm that works on retainer versus contingency? And is there any advantage to a, uh, a job seeker to, to work with one firm, one firm over another? You know, I think, again, a good recruiter probably won't, the candidate probably won't necessarily know the difference is um, if that recruiter is on a retainer or on a contingency. That should be something that they don't really um, necessarily even have um, insight into. A retained search generally um, is limited to executive level, um, C-level types of positions. Most companies will not pay uh, for a retained search if they are looking for you know, staff level or management level, unless again, it's at kind of an executive suite level position. For example, in my business, we haven't, um, we haven't had a retained search in probably five years. Okay. 
So I'm often asked when I meet with people in informational interviews, and this is a question I know Cecilia, who talks to our community all the time, uh, also receives, how do you approach a, a recruiter? Because uh, I, even though, getting back to that image of the fellow with the briefcase, uh, even if that's not the, the reality, there are advantages in having a relationship with a recruiter. Walk us through how someone should find someone in their field and, and how they might approach a, a recruiter. Well, I think that you, you hit the, the, one of the most important things is finding someone in your field. Uh, the, the reason that is so important is because the, the recruiter should uh, understand you and your background and your experience better than someone who maybe uh, has not been exposed to the type of work that you do. So I think finding someone that understands the type of work that you do is pretty key. They should then also have uh, client business hiring company relationships in that same industry. So they're going to be potentially more equipped to, to be able to assist you. The, you know, and, and then it's just a matter of, of reaching out to that person, whether it's LinkedIn or email or a phone call. Um, again, you know, I kind of re reference maybe good recruiters and maybe not so good recruiters. But I think a good recruiter is somebody who is looking out for your best interests and may be willing to talk to you, even if they don't have something immediate that, that potentially fits um, their needs or your needs, you know, an immediate potential job opportunity fit. A good recruiter should invest the time to meet with you, get to know you, because they may have that opportunity for you in one week or one month or three months. Um, I think some recruiters fall into the trap of only, only uh, you know, working on what's in their immediate, um, you know, uh, uh, workload and not looking down the road. Okay, so look for a way to establish a, a long-term relationship with a recruiter. But let's back up, Steve. I'm just thinking of our listeners. They love actionable ideas. They want practical instruction about concrete steps they can take next. So imagine that one of our listeners is sitting in front of a computer. They want to find the recruiter in their field. What do they do next? Do they go to Google? Do they go to LinkedIn? And what? walk us through how you would actually identify, say, a recruiter in, in your field, which I know you work with digital creatives, designers, writers, and, and similar professions? Well, I think, you know, on my LinkedIn account, I have an ability to do advanced searches. So if you don't have that ability, uh, I think you have to pay for that. Uh, I would go to Google and I would Google and find out the companies. Uh, then I would go to LinkedIn and I would look at the company profiles and I would look at the recruiter profiles. And again, trying to find individuals or recruitment firms that specialize in your area. Okay, so I'm a writer, and I sit down at Google, and I, I Google uh, executive recruiters or recruiters, writers, uh, the community where I live in, whether it's Portland, Oregon, Chicago. I know you have offices in Austin and Las Vegas as well. Um, then how do I, I – up, up pops the name of s several firms and, and recruiters – how do I approach these people? Do I send an email? Do I make a phone call? What, what, what's a practical way of doing that? 
Yeah, I think an email, um, and, and I'll, I'll back up again too, and I think the first thing that you should be doing is looking at your own toolbox and making sure you're ready to contact a recruiter. Because that recruiter, one of the first things they're going to do is they're going to examine your resume, they're going to examine your background, and they're going to go onto your LinkedIn profile and if they see things that are amiss or they're not seeing the type of professional that they feel that they can comfortably represent, uh, they may be less inclined to respond to your inquiry. Again, I think a good recruiter and a good recruitment firm will respond to every single person that reaches out to them, but many don't. Okay. Uh, what is helpful to you as a recruiter? What should be the ask? What kind of requests do you like to receive uh, after people have paid attention to the basics and, and they put their LinkedIn profile in order, uh, do you like to get a phone call, an email? What works best? An email works best because that enables the recruiter or the recruitment firm to take a closer look at the indiv individual's background and to really assess their ability to help that person. Uh, a phone call... They're, they're still going to ask for some time to, to dig a little deeper into the individual's background. I don't want to discourage people from not picking up the phone, but the recruitment firm really needs to evaluate their ability to assist the individual. And if they don't feel like the individual has the right background and they in turn don't have the right client base to assist that individual they should hopefully be pointing them in a different direction. But a lot of it is really evaluating their ability to help that person. Okay. What, so that's the best way to approach you. What mistakes do you see people make when they uh, attempt to work with recruiters? Well, you know, and I, I don't know that it's uh, when the, the mistake that they make when they initially reach out, but I think, I think people need to um, have realistic expectations of what a recruiter or recruitment firm can do for them. Uh, we cannot manufacture job opportunities for them. Um, we may have that briefcase full of job openings, but if none of those job openings match that individual's background and what they're looking for, um, then, you know, the it, it doesn't matter that we have a briefcase full of job openings. They're not the ones for you. So people just need to be realistic that, yes, we are out there doing everything we can to build relationships with clients so that chances are greater that we may have opportunities for you, but it's never a given. So there are a number of possibilities. People can approach you all begin to build a relationship, there might be a suitable opening and it, it might actually lead to a job offer. In other instances, people may go down that path and not get an offer, uh, or there may not be any openings at the moment. For those who don't get a job out of this process, what's the best way to build and maintain a long-term relationship with a recruiter? So I'm glad you asked that because, uh, you know, I, um, I've been doing this for geez, longer than I'd care to admit, over close to 20 years. Uh, and the, the, I think good, in, good can, you know, smart candidates and smart recruiters do look at it as a long-term ongoing proposition. There are many people that I have placed into jobs. They have in turn called me and asked me for, uh, you know, new hires for their department or their company. 
And in turn, you know, a couple years down the road, they may be a candidate again. So a good, a good recruiter will want to invest that time and will want to keep tabs on your career. And I think being a good candidate working with a, with a recruiter, you, up to, you keep that recruiter up to date in terms of what you're doing on your own. Um, again, a recruiter or a recruiting firm is one avenue that you should be pursuing. It's definitely something to pursue, but it's only one avenue in your job search. I'm glad you made that point because I think sometimes people tend to put all their eggs in one basket, whether it's focusing on a recruiter or one opportunity at, at one organization when, uh, which could be attractive, but they're, you never know what might work out. So it's always good to be pursuing, I find, several different opportunities. Well, yeah, and, and what, what happens when you don't is it's the old, um, you know, it's the old image of the person at home waiting for the phone to ring on Friday night to see if they're going to get, you know, that one date um, that they've been after. And, you know, that one person doesn't call, will they stay home for the night? You know, okay, so maybe that's a bad analogy because then that means that person is, is, is pursuing many, many, many potential suitors. So maybe that's a bad analogy. But, but at the same time, the, the job seeker does need to pursue many different avenues um, unless they want to just be in a long, you know, and, and prolonged job search. I think that's an excellent point to, to stop at. Steve, how can people learn more about you and find you online? So our website is a great way to connect with us. Um, we actually are also very active on social media. Um, we have a very vibrant Facebook page. We do a lot of um, tweets. Uh, our website actually posts a lot of information that is um, similar to MaxList, geared toward professional development and helping people. Um, but really, that's the best way to connect with all the, the various channels um, that we are trying to put um, information and content out to. That's terrific. Uh, thank you for your time, Steve. Thank you, Mac. I appreciate it. We're back in the studio with uh, Ben and Cecilia. There was a lot of food for thought there from Steve, wasn't there? There was. Yeah, definitely a lot of questions I had about recruiters. He covered it all. And I, I just want to thank you all for uh, nodding knowingly. And I expect you, though, don't know who Stockard Channing is. <laughs> no. <laughs> no idea. I have no idea. Okay. Well, uh, you had to be there in back in the 1990s, but she was huge. And I was there, just, I guess, not paying attention to movies. Yeah. I went to far too many movies. Actually, I was looking up this movie. I couldn't find it in her Wikipedia entry. I had to find it elsewhere. So it's obscure, but well worth the watch. And I think does uh, it does uh, underscore a popular image we have of recruiters. And I think Steve has helped us understand that it's working with a recruiter can be valuable, but you don't want to rely just on recruiters. I thought the most interesting thing was how recruiters get paid um, because I didn't really know that much about recruiting. Um, and I always had this kind of vague idea that they would take a percentage of my salary um, and I don't know where I got that notion, but uh, it's good to know that uh, the job seeker is not the person who's paying for that service. It's usually the employer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I had that question, too. I've always kind of wondered what the actual breakdown was, and it was interesting to hear exactly where the money goes and how they make their money because it seems, in my opinion, that recruiters usually cater a lot to the job seeker, 
So, but really their paying customer is the employer. And one thing to keep in mind, if you're contacted by a recruiter, and Steve talked about this, the recruiters that are hired on contingency, a company may work with two or three recruiters for the same position. So a recruiter can be an advocate for you. And if, uh, however, you don't get hired or one of their candidates doesn't get hired, they don't get paid. Yeah. Yeah, so it can be a, a, a tough business. Again, working with the recruiters can be rewarding, and, and we encourage our listeners to explore that. Steve had some very practical ideas about uh, next steps you could take if you want to do that. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more tools and tips you can use to find your dream job. As always, visit us at maxlist.org, and you can sign up there for our free newsletter where you'll find more than 100 new jobs every week. And if you like what you hear on our show, help us out by leaving a review and a rating at iTunes. We're determined to crack the top 10 list in the career section of iTunes. And to do that, uh, we need your help. So please take a moment and we'd appreciate it. And this will help others discover our show and share the information. Thanks for listening.